Welcome back to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor, and my co-host is the DJ, and we've brought Debbie Boy back again <laughs> this week. How have, hey. How's the quarantine been treating you guys? Quarantine? What's this quarantine you speak yeah, of? What, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> you mean you mean something different to just sitting in my chair all day for seven days a week? I had a feeling that would be your answer. <laughs> <laughs> What's you this quarantine that, that you speak work of? from home code of life already? Work from home? What's this work from home? Just because you're a checkout chick doesn't mean you can't work from home. I envy you guys because who work at, who work from home. I set up a, uh, a webcam and you can watch people go past and tell them if they're doing it wrong. Just become a support <laughs> technician, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing all of my uh, IT support from home at the moment. Oh, and you... I took some leave the other day, have a bit of a long weekend. And even though I was set to offline everywhere, people could kill People kept trying to call my personal phone number. Oh, my work phone number. Uh, uh, not put in a ticket, just call me. <laughs> what does it come with? Professor, I, I, I need your help. <laughs> help me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to going back on Tuesday and being like, so your urgent issue, how did that go? <laughs> Uh, the other IT guy should have handled it, but it is a bit annoying that they try to contact me on my day off instead of following procedure. What was it the first rule they say when you enter into the workforce? Always blame the new guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, IT department, I am the new guy. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we haven't brought anyone on since I've joined. <laughs> I will say this, though. I am starting to eat my, my own words more and more often now. <laughs> Yeah, all this. Yeah, it tastes good. Yeah, uh, it's tasting bitter. bitter What's sweet. the calorie content of words? <laughs> I need to know. I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> too, too bittersweet, I will say. Bittersweet. And why are you eating your own words? Uh, what was it the last time I said I said we need a plague and all of a sudden this happens? <laughs> and now I'm starting. Now it, now it feels like we're living in a dictatorship. <laughs> With all these tough rules coming out saying, like, if you're out and about, you'd be fined 1,300 bucks. Although, luckily, it's not it's not shoot on site yet, so... Yeah, I don't think it'll get to that. This is Australia, not uh, Tiananmen Square. <laughs> <laughs> this is Australia! <laughs> Everyone... No, 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 just, just get out your wombat, open a forex, and just lay it on. <laughs> There we have it, Debbie Boy embracing his inner Australian. Plague? Uh, no, 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 that's not a plague. <laughs> not just in their Australian, in a bogan. Yeah. <laughs> Next Look, we'll the call the bad trees have still got leaves on them. There's no World War Three yet. Fine. <laughs> Some of us are more sophisticated and don't drink Forex. <laughs> Forex? What is this Forex you speak of? Well, I drink, um... Get out of here, you New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> the Zico Fosters. So, <laughs> uh, like your kind around here. <laughs> Before we cause any more trouble, what is our first topic tonight, DJ? Um, so, thanks to the corona craziness that's been plaguing Hollywood, we have now received report that the uh, Indiana, next Indiana Jones movie is going to be extended from July 9, 2021 to July 29, 2022. Now, is it a good sign or a bad sign that I hadn't heard about this until you mentioned it? Um, I think it's a good sign <laughs> that, you, that, that I mentioned it. <laughs> Because up until now, that project's been plagued with so many problems, like Steven Spielberg stepping away from it, James Mangold potentially taking the project. Okay, but starting with um, Crystal Skull, why would this be a good thing? Because don't you want more grumpy Harrison Ford? Now, I'm 85 years old. I want more Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) Oh, no! And this time, instead of playing Indiana Jones' annoying son... I want him to play the headhunter cannibal who kidnaps Indiana Jones halfway through the movie. Ah, oh, the best character. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Shia would just be playing himself in that role. <laughs> the actual yeah, but... cannibal, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Although, here's my problem, okay? Like, when Disney bought LucasArts, it's also bought um, Indiana Jones as well. I'm just being afraid of what's what... Disney's going to do to the Indiana Jones franchise since we've seen the damage that Disney's doing to Star Wars. I mean... I'll, I'll be honest here. I don't think they can do any more damage, really. It's already been done by Crystal Skull. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> like the original three movies, perfect trilogy. Tell Doom, it was mixed, but you know, in general, a global trilogy, nice and tight. And then Crystal Skulls is way over here, just doing its own thing. It's it's just this that other Indiana Jones movie to speak of. I mean, <laughs> which is a very different mindset to really the prequels, because you know, you had the Star Wars original trilogy, and they had the prequels, and everyone's like, he will still talk about the prequels. Meanwhile, <laughs> Crystal Skull, no one mentions that movie anymore. It's like. <laughs> Only reason it gets mentioned in 2020 is because of the new movie coming out. That's the only reason. Uh, and Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> and Shia, of course. Like, there are Shia's movies. Oh, that's that, is that the guy for Crystal Skull? <laughs> yeah, I think I saw him. Term- oh, what was that? What was that movie? Terminator. Oh, no, no. Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> How many hands does it take to count the good movies she has been in? So many fingers, it's all good. <laughs> I would say three. (laughs) I would say three. (laughs) Three good movies he's been in. That's it. So do they have Harrison Ford back for Indiana Jones? Yeah, he's going to be in it. I seem to remember uh, his role in in the sequel Star Wars movies contingent on getting another Indiana? That's the theory, but I don't see much evidence of it, though, to be honest with you. Like in in the um oh and here's the funny thing for this one so I was I'm just reading up on it he's saying that um when he when asked how being married to Marion Atwood and having a son would affect the character in the fifth film Ford only replied he's seen something remember those are only witness are uh, those are the only witnesses to what he's seen that's kind of interesting um and later and some uh, some guy later stated that Mark Williams would not return in the in the movie oh. Yeah, and in this year he said that the script is the script was very good and would show new developments in India and Jones's life, his relationship also revolving part of his history. So I wonder who's gonna. So here's my question: So who's going to be the bad guy in this one? Well, if we look at it, the original Indiana Jones movies when did they come out? It came out um, 1981, Those are the three. Yeah, so. The first ones were involved Nazis and were set in the 30s. Then 20 years later, there was Crystal Skull, which was set, uh, according to Wikipedia, in 1957 and had the Soviets as the bad guys. It's now been like another 12 years now since Crystal Skull came out, which means that he's going to be well into the late 60s. So obviously, he's going to space. <laughs> he's going to find some ancient All right, so, so, so we're going to have space, we're going to have Elvis, we're going to have... <laughs> You know, we're going to put some Ford Mustangs and a few other cars in there. You know, you've got to get the, the boom nostalgia going. Uh, <laughs> what else? Can, oh, we can put some nukes. Oh, like, we already have done that one. Uh, so here's my fear. Is this going to be a sequel of the Crystal, of the, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Because it's space and everything. Uh, any of them really sequels? I mean, in a way. So, I mean, the Temple of Doom was a prequel to... Uh, the original movie, and then Last Crusade was a sequel to the original movie. So, timeline-wise, it goes, okay, if you want to count the young Indiana Jones TV series, then it goes to uh, the first movie. No, no. Then it goes to... Ah! Alright. <laughs> young Indiana, young Indiana, Indiana Jones trilogy, and then you go to Temple of Doom, and then you go to the original film, and then you go to Last Crusade, and then you go to that one we don't speak of. <laughs> just, just down a lot. Uh, okay, so it's going to be set in space. Indiana's going to be accidentally chosen for a space launch, fired into space, and he's going to find the rest of the aliens on the dark side <laughs> of the moon or something. <laughs> they, just, they just do a comedy scene where, like, um, uh, you know, Apollo 11's about to take off, and Indiana Jones all of a sudden just runs into one of the fuel compartments because he's like, there's an ancient relic in there! It must be put in a museum! <laughs> <laughs> and he just he gets himself trapped in there and you know he's already survived your nuclear bomb so he's already superman so he, they just <laughs> see him fly out into outer space while holding onto the rocket oh. <laughs> remember kids he drank he drank for the last cru- last crusade he hit the holy grail he, he's oh, immortal yeah. <laughs> he's a, yeah. well in real life he is also t- he is also immortal like remember that plane crash he, ca- he came out of <laughs> yeah. What Almost. a champ! <laughs> He's yeah. 77 now, so is he even, like, good enough to Indiana Jones anymore? Uh, I mean, he did a good job in Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. And he was also good enough in Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars, he just did it because they gave him a big paycheck, and then they gave yeah. him an even bigger one for the last movie. Because he's basically... Did, he, he's hated Han Solo since the 80s. 
<laughs> he despises that character. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. But here's the, um, also to go back on topic though. Here's the thing: like, not Indiana Jones has been caught in this extend in this mess. Also, other Disney movies are also being caught in this mess, like Mulan, for example, and Black Widow, and other other films that were supposed to be in theaters are now going to Disney Plus, for example. Are any of them any good though? Let's face it, Artemis Fowl won't be. (laughs) (laughs) Just from that one trailer they did a couple of weeks ago, you can tell (laughs) that the entire movie is going to be nothing like the book. Like, that one one trailer completely betrayed every theme from the book. Yeah, I saw the trailer too, and it just looked like a Men in Black type movie. I was like, is this going to be another Men in Black? Yeah, and it's not supposed to be Men in Black. The first book's basically The Godfather, but The Godfather is a 12-year-old, and he ends up <laughs> under siege because he kidnapped the fairy. The Adventures oh. of 12-Year-Old Godfather. <laughs> and uh, so the, like, the first book, he's not on the side of the fairies at all. He specifically <laughs> targets a fairy to kidnap one, and now we've got some I'm your ally on the other side rubbish. <laughs> He's not supposed to be friends with the fairies until, like, the third book. <laughs> oh, it's, okay, speaking of kidnapping fairies and stuff, would you say the same with Peter Pan? Well, they didn't kidnap the fairy in that one. I thought they did. <laughs> I think the it's pirates like... tried, but... um. Oh, yeah, that didn't yeah. work. <laughs> and they kidnapped the Peter Pan shadow. Yeah. yeah that's true, yes. Yeah. So yeah, a couple of other movies that's been um, also extended, like Jungle Cruise, for example, that's extended to July 30th, 2021. That one actually looks like oh. it might be all right. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's based off another Disney ride one. Yeah. Oh, really? Another one? Ride, which, um, <laughs> basically, you're on a boat which is on rails, so it goes around this um, around this track, and the boat driver gives you a tour of all the animals and the natives and stuff, and he has a, a gunfight with the natives, things like that. But um, I could actually see them pulling off a movie. So basically, this is so basically Jungle Cruise is Pirates of the Caribbean again. Uh, I mean, Pirates Caribbean. Okay, have you heard the story about Pirates Caribbean? Um, So Michael Eisner, do you know him? Yep. Yeah. So when they were making Pirates, they just came off of another Disney film ride-based one, which was the the Bears or something. I don't remember the title. Oh, the Country Bears. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Uh, It box office bombed because you know. There's literally a scene where kids, look, mum, it's my brother, the bear. It's just <laughs> that movie. So I literally went depth started doing that whole Captain Jack Sparrow act, which was never planned. He lost it. Eisner was just like, oh, God, this is not going well. Time. All right. Okay. He was close to shutting it down. But obviously it was a big success. <laughs> and why so it was with 11 sequels. And they have done that now. They're trying to recapture it. Every other Disney ride. So, I yeah. mean. Yeah, we had a. We, well, I do recall like Buck was once upon a time telling us the story of um, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and how um, uh, Bruckheimer was really cheesed off <laughs> with the script idea to the point where he's like, "No, nah, I'm no, nah, I'm not working with this. Tear it up and bury it somewhere." <laughs> oh, it was so bad. The last couple haven't even had Johnny in them, have they? No, they yeah, all of them have. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought he got dropped for one of them because of the whole uh, Amber Heard thing. Oh, it's uh, the, you mean the reboot? <laughs> What's that? Reboot? They, yeah. yeah, they're going to reboot point, the whole damn thing. After he went to court Jeez. with Amber Heard and um, there was talk about dropping him from the movies and doing a reboot or something, but now it's coming out that he's possibly innocent in this. I haven't been following the case. And they're like, yeah, you can have your job back. So he's going to be in the next Pirates again. Yep. No, that's, it's a rumor. It's a rumor, though. But yeah, it's, are, I think are they going to make a new Pirates? Like the last one, box office bombs so hard. Uh, You're just yeah. leaking money at that point. Yeah, but- it's bad enough that uh, the Good Place had a joke about it. <laughs> <laughs> In the episode where they go to the bad place, there's a billboard about one of the uh, pirates movies. <sighs> but yeah, it's this extension. I mean, it might help the franchise. It might not help the franchise. I, I, I don't know. Disney's Disney's banking on this one a lot. Uh, with beside banking on this along with Mulan and Black Widow. Yeah, but it's interesting to get the extension. My only fear is what are they going to do with this extension? Are they going to do reshoots or are they going to rewrite the scripts? Or uh, oh, 
I feel like it depends, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, how close to finished are they now? When was the original release date? The original release date was July 9th, 2021. Okay, so they've still got a fair amount of work to do on it then. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, we should move on to the next topic, which is Debbie Boy telling us about a viral YouTube video. Yeah. This one's safe to go outside without your mask on. (laughs) (laughs) Or YouTube, apparently. Uh, Okay, so everyone knows Five Minutes of Craft, so the joke of the internet, but are growing exponentially. Uh, you, you know, they do the terrible, I mean, okay, some of them are good, but they're the videos that usually just go, what? Why? Sure, okay, cut, uh, cut all your pens up, uh, put them in a pot and pan, put them in the fridge, then put your microwave, now take that out and cover your hands in it. Like, just, that was actually what I saw. Or the, the concrete things one. Oh, <laughs> they're like make craft of concrete, and half of them consist oh. of burying something in it. Yeah, like the shoe. Like here, take a good leather shoe, dunk it in concrete, pull it out. It's a plant pot. <laughs> hey guys, a plant it's pot. a plant pot now. It's That's... a concrete boot for when you just got to get rid of someone. They make a bookshelf, I think, at one point, and they do no reinforcing inside the concrete. Well, oh, pardon me. There's no reinforcing inside the concrete. And you just, that's not going to hold. But, but regardless, yeah, so Five Minute Crafts, and somehow they have somehow, uh, their rate is still exponential and they've amassed over 66 million followers now. And that's Whoa. only on, that's only on one channel. So this is part of the story. So basically, there's this food channel. Um, I think it's How to Cook, if I remember correctly. How to Cook That. How to Cook That, yeah. By, yeah. Uh, it's by Anne Reardon. Yeah, it's actually a really good channel. I've watched it a few times to get cooking stuff. So if you want to cook something, go over there. Not five minute crafts. Um, <laughs> but one of her things she does is she does debunking videos on their food uh, videos because some a lot of their food videos are actually potentially dangerous. So she debunks them and shows they do it correctly. But she got one of her her editor to go into it more uh, a lot deeper down the rabbit hole and. They found a lot of stuff. So basically, Five Minute Crafts itself is just a channel, but it's run by this Russian company founded by two people. And they've basically created a whole like bot farm, content farm, bot farm network. So while this one channel has 66 million view, um, subscribers, in total, they've got over like a billion subscribers because uh, they've got hundreds and thousands of channels. And they've got studios in Russia and around the world, basically where they just have rooms full of people constantly just making these videos just nonstop. And it was quite a... You wouldn't really... I mean, to get that much content coming out, of course, when you look into it, but it's just so weird. But that does play into now the actual uh, issue they found that was some of the videos that they've been putting out recently have been slightly misguided, like mis- misguided in their, what they're saying. Either it was a mistake, or perhaps it was they're trying to push their agenda, but they're basically saying uh, the USA is going to fall apart the next 10 years. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's little hints and stuff in there. It's like educational videos for kids where it's like, hey guys, Russia and China will be the new... Like, it's just like, hmm, yes. So it's a Russian propaganda arm. Yeah. I mean... It, it's either they they just stuffed up on some of the facts because they are pushing stuff out at like a million videos a day, you know what I mean? But same time, I mean, <laughs> you have to be a little conspiracy, you know, a little conspiracy theory here, like mm, Russian bot farm videos saying America's going to die, and mm. <laughs> yeah, there's something all right there. Yep. <laughs> the scary part about it is how they always abuse the algorithm system. That's the scary part about all this. How else would they get to 67 million subscribers? There's Man, I just, some sort of abuse going on there. Yeah. I mean, it must be they just put that so many... Like, I, okay, the thing I hate the most about the videos is how once they finish one of the five-minute clips, it shows a video of a friggin' emoji. It's like, it's just, it's like something from 1984. Oh, the bit where it flashes through the different emoji faces and then gets the smiley one or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, we completed this five seconds of video clip. Smile, guys! Look, it's good! <laughs> it's good content! Oh, it's it's scary, though, because it's the scariest part about this is it's gone are the days where you just hard-worked your way into making a clip and you don't spend any, like, money on money on the um, promoting that stuff. It's like, nowadays you can't do that anymore. 
that's been gone for a long time. Yeah. yeah it's, people realize they could make money off YouTube. Yeah, they can make money off YouTube. I get that. But yeah, gone are the days where you can just like organically grow your fan base. Yeah, you haven't been able to do that since like 2010. Yeah, like once they brought monetization in, um, the owl's over. Because like the before monetization, YouTube was a shitty platform. Like, just put it out there. Even though it was the golden era, but compared to the content today from channels, you know, it was just people uploading their own videos. And and, and of course, that was that's um with the you know, creation of web and stuff, exploring that new content. But the second you could make money, then just hey, it's time to bring in the big bucks and. Yeah, that's yeah. when right. things end up. I've got a problem with people making money off YouTube. What I don't like is that so many of them, like DJ saying, it's not organic. Their content is exactly ten minutes and one second. They make sure they hit exactly the these points to fit the market segment. It's not like someone just doing it for the love of it anymore. In most cases, yeah. yeah. And this article, po- um, as a, as a in terms of organic. Reminds of that, like um, that whole uh, Janela Ileana. Um, I was looking up that case before and how she made a serious splash and make it, she amassed more than a million subscribers at record speed. <laughs> and I was like, holy moly, she made that many people, she made that many, many um, subscribers. And her, she only made one video at the time, like it was just one video on her channel, and she made like 62 million, like 2 million people, 62 million views. I'm just going, what the heck is going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the it's just how it is now. Because the there's, there's, I mean, there's not like there's back-end deals from what we know of, but it just because everything's decided by the algorithm now and people yeah. have, are set up what the... I mean, yeah. Internet fame's changed to how it was back before monetization because before monetization, it was like, ah, it's that guy. I mean, there was experiments like Lonely Girl 15 and stuff. Uh, I think it's 15. Yeah. yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, there was experiment stuff. But now, where, where it's like this money and stuff, like these Jake Paul fans and things. Uh, being, uh, oh. People are impressional. Uh, okay. I mean, slightly off topic. I'll try and keep on. But um, you've heard about the iDubs controversy stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, uh... just, just playing into that whole, like, people idolize people now. Because yeah. they're so big and famous on the internet, and yeah, it's just not the same. Yeah, yeah, it's it's what what scares me also with this one is the whole like nobody cannot be creative anymore. Like you, you well, can't. Content's still out there, just yeah. they're not making money from it, and they're not being promoted because they're not hitting the ten points of YouTube monetization algorithm specialization. Like it, you're not um the people who are making creative, unique content aren't going to be shown to you by the algorithm because their content doesn't make money for YouTube. The the time for indie content creators and indie game developers is far over. This decade is the time for indie publishers and indie marketers. That is the golden area. Yeah. Although uh, the the beautiful part about YouTube I love is the animation wing. Like, they make some really nice animation. Yeah, yeah. animators get screwed over by the algorithm too because the algorithm demands regular content. Animation is very labor-intensive. You can't just... If you're doing something good and not just some Elsagate stuff, you can't pump out an animation every day. If you're doing Elsagate stuff, please see a psychiatrist. I want to know what's wrong with you. <laughs> what's Elsagate? I haven't... Oh, no, He's that's really a whole dis- other topic. <laughs> it's even more disturbing than five-minute crafts. Oh, you get no. videos like Elsa goes to the dentist or Thomas the Tank goes to the dentist. Then you get videos like Spider-Man pees on Elsa. Oh, what? Spider-Man pees on pregnant Elsa while doing somersaults in pool with mermaids. Watch now. Kids, free, toys, apps, colors, blue, educational. Yeah, these really wacky videos targeted to kids. Oh, what? And it makes no sense. I don't understand why. And I'm surprised there hasn't been an apocalypse because of that. (laughs) It started to be one, but... um, Yeah. It got swept under the carpet. Well, it sort of did, but then YouTube got their ass kicked in by the um, FCC after with that lawsuit. Yeah, and then there was a whole COPA thing as well, if I recall. That was what I was talking about. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a whole subreddit about it. Today on YouTube Stuff's Up. <laughs> <laughs>
Yes, YouTube can't ever quite do things right. And at this point, I'm not entirely sure there's anyone human working at YouTube, and it's not just um, Google AIs just going off the rails. Well, because of the coronavirus, because of coronavirus, I think everyone, I think YouTube is now just heavily relying on bots. So. Yeah, yeah. But here's a question for you guys. Ultimately, could you see YouTube as a platform survive with this model going forward? Oh, I think definitely. They, yeah, I think it's making them tons of money. And I'd like, have they actually? No, wait. They they used to say that they uh, were they'd never made a profit. Have yep. they started making money yet? No, they they, <laughs> they they keep getting less profit because okay, as the more people because video hosting is one of the most expensive is the most expensive form of server hosting in the world because it's yeah, very, it, so much data yeah and while at the same time more people are joining youtube and uploading content every second at the same time google's imp- implementing like i think it's 4k 8k video now so you know that the amount of servers they got to keep buying to keep youtube running is incredible and that pays a lot of money i've got but, to wonder uh, what they get out of it though well it's google so it's youtube yeah. it's the it's the only video platform that's that what you know there is. If you want to upload a video, go to YouTube, pretty much, right? Yeah, and, you could go to Vimeo or Daily Motion, but nobody does that. Yeah. Uh, and what makes what makes uh, Google that money? They're not making money from YouTube. Is well, that just because they're not counting the money they're making from scraping data from videos and feeding it out through Google Ads or something? Uh, in a way, there's two things. They they are making profit at all. That includes advertisements and stuff. But what they are making profit from is people having to sign up for Google services and then they would like use Gmail and then they advertisers will like to use AdSense and then that, those advertisers then decide they want to use also Google Analytics and that's how they make their profit. It's yeah, a jumping so on point. I suspect they're not making money from YouTube, but they're making money from some other arm and just not admitting that that money is because they have YouTube. Otherwise, I think they would have shut down years ago. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely another arm. Although, didn't YouTube start as a uh, video dating site? Yep. <laughs> Maybe we should all just go back to that model and everyone will be happier. <laughs> we should move on to the next topic, which is about a lawsuit win for Activision. Activision were taken to court by the producers of the Humvee military vehicle who wanted to sue them for using the Humvee without a license. And the judge has ruled that Activision isn't in breach of any sort of contract because the, uh, the Humvee is just... A generic vehicle for modern military use and in the interest of making a realistic military game they they're allowed to use it the full quote is if realism is an artistic goal then the presence in modern warfare games of vehicles employed by actual militaries undoubtedly furthers that goal so their games are artistic i told you hey. <laughs> <laughs> games are hot but yeah see um so am general who creates them builds the humvees sued them and has now lost, which I think is the first time a case like this has ever ended in favor of the developer. Yeah, I, I can't recall anything else. Because um, it's like video game developer, get out of here. But, I mean... Was, oh, oh, I was going to say, wasn't this similar to um, an episode we did, Professor, where um, someone, a tattoo artist, was suing game developers at one point? Yeah, I vaguely remember that topic. And... More recently, the um, people who Fortnite copied for the dancers tried to <laughs> make more uh, royalties for including their dance. Yeah. It, the funniest part with, uh, with the Fortnite dancers, so this is slightly off topic, the kid who did the dance was not, was, not the orig- was not the creator, apparently. Yeah, I think there's been a couple of different uh, Fortnite dance lawsuits. Yeah. But I did have a, a bit of a look into it, and um, while I was reading up on it, video games weren't counted as uh, under the American First Amendment, weren't protected until, uh, sorry, I'm just pulling up the note here, um, until the case Brown vs. Entertainment Merchants Association in 2011, which is where video games became protected under, under the First Amendment, So, which is also uh, relevant to this case. They... They're counting, including military vehicles, as part of the First Amendment. So I wonder if that means that, um, as I understand it, game developers pay license fees to gun companies to include their guns. Yep. Um, I wonder if now uh, they can stop doing that. I mean, it's America. I don't think, I don't think you know, I don't think you're really going to get away with that one, considering um, 
how uh, how protective and how many lawyers those guys have. I mean, I guess they could, but, but I mean, maybe they, maybe in fact they could or would they will because it is Activision and they're the ones who do all this um the pay license fees for Call of Duty and stuff. So yeah, hmm. most games just include a um an off-brand version of the gun, like in um Counter Strike, the P90 is called the C90. <laughs> They will never know. <laughs> never. <laughs> Completely under the radar. <laughs> and plus, it's it's like um, it just remi- this whole scenario just reminds me of uh, Lionel of the Simpsons, where Lionel Hutz versus ten high-priced lawyers. <laughs> like Activision will have like ten high-priced lawyers, but yeah, we'll, we'll still win. <laughs> we'll win. It also makes me wonder. Um, I remember hearing that uh. The U.S. intelligence agencies wanted the right to spy on video game chat rooms, <laughs> so the in-game chat in a in a game, because they believed that terrorists would be using it to um, basically plan stuff and not leave a trace. Now, I don't remember if that ever got through, and knowing the American intelligence agencies, they probably don't care whether it did or not. But um, if I go missing anytime soon, it was the CIA. hashtag the professor didn't kill himself (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder if uh like i imagine saying something if you're in america anyway it's an american citizen i imagine saying something in a video game chat room would count as first amendment too well it was the same it's the same case with social media like um was it uh, if i recall trump had a had a lawsuit quashed against him for um, blocking people against the First Amendment or something. Yeah, that, like that was. I say something else. He um he wasn't allowed to block people on Twitter because uh, Twitter is the way he uses it. The court defined it as the a major publicity arm of the uh, Trump administration <laughs> or something like that. Because he doesn't do regular press conferences, he announces half his stuff through Twitter, so <laughs> can't block anyone because. Under the American rules, you're not allowed to stop people from uh, getting that information. (gasps) It'll be interesting to see how this shakes out in the future with uh, licensed video games. Yeah. Obviously, you can't go and make a a Spider-Man game and then say, it's my First Amendment right. But (laughs) uh, what you could do is go and include real real cars without um, paying royalties. I mean, uh, how... I guess, but like if you put a Ferrari in, that's pretty evidently a Ferrari. I mean, yeah, but so is a Humvee. It's obviously a Humvee. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. True, I guess. So I think if you include a I think if you included a Ferrari in a game about modern street racing or whatever, <laughs> then that would be okay because it's the same sort of deal. It's about creating a realistic yeah. experience. Unless they say it's not realistic for someone to street race a Ferrari because no one can afford them. <laughs> but this I mean, is why I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> Sorry, Brad, were you going to say something? I, I, no, I'm so good. I'll just make okay. a joke at it. But anyway, in the interest of time, we should move on. So our science topic for this week is a lizard that lays eggs and gives live birth. Jesus. So, yeah, this lizard is a free-toed skink, and it's started to lay eggs and give live birth at the same time. So it's done something that no creature would ever do. Uh, actually, it's been observed 121 times Oof. in independent groups of reptiles. <laughs> so, so, so it gives live birth and at the same time, what? And lays eggs. Huh? Yeah. So basically in a single litter or clutch, um, Wait, what is the word for when it's combined? Because it's a clutch of eggs, but a litter of live births. So in the same group of births, it will lay an egg and have a, a live offspring. Weird. <laughs> yeah. So they're calling this a bimodal reproduction. Okay, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to process this whole thing. <laughs> uh, Debbie boy. <laughs> Debbie boy. 
You okay, man? You okay? Oh, man? I'm just trying to process it, trying to visualize it as well, which probably isn't a good thing. But I'm just checking yes. So it's been regarded as very difficult for um, a creature to go from live birth back to egg laying, but easier to go from egg laying to live birth. But they also reckon that it's possible that it's easier than they thought to go back to egg laying. Do they know what's causing those factors at all, or is it still a mystery? Uh, I don't think there's a um, particular reason there they've identified. Hmm. Uh, Actually, so the ones in northern New South Wales give birth to more live young, and in Sydney they lay eggs. So they are a single species, though, as difficult as it is to define a species. Weird. Uh, That's all I can say. Just like, (laughs) I guess temperature, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, Turtle eggs will change gender depending on the temperature. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if other reptiles had a similar mechanism. I do know that um, (laughs) there's only three species of lizards that have bimodal reproduction. Can you? And this makes me wonder how long until we can splice this gene into people. (laughs) Stop being pregnant tonight, mum. Let's just lay an egg and be done with it. No. Somebody save me. Yeah. Like the miracle of childbirth has just took a weird and ugly turn. Does it come as an image in my head? Can you tell can you imagine telling your next generation can you tell the offspring? Hey, Bob, where was I born? Um, <laughs> well, darling, that's a good question. <laughs> there goes the cabbage patch fib, everybody. <laughs> Although that being said, though, ah, oh, oh, this this story is in the live. This story is a spanner in the live. A lot of things are. It's like, ah, oh, I ah, oh, I'm. I got. I need. I need more time to process this. Likewise, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'll leave you two to your processing. Just leave me buzzing away here. I'll I'll get through it eventually. (laughs) We'll go on with the the games I've been playing. So, DJ, what have you played? Um, I have been playing Generation Zero. Fun game. Yes, I've been playing it with you, and it's a... um, a sort of stealth-focused, post-apocalyptic uh, survival game, but the setting is 1980s Sweden, and the enemies are robots. The most common robot actually reminds me of um, of Boston Dynamics' Spot robot. Oh, yeah. Which uh, is also the inspiration behind the Metalhead robots in Black Mirror. Nice. But yeah, I thought this was a... Uh, I thought this could have been a inspired by Black Mirror. I'm not sure which one came first, though. I think probably the Black Mirror episode. Probably. Yeah. So, how are you finding it, DJ? I'm finding it. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good game. Uh, like you got the stealth elements. Um, you got the character. The character generation. It was pretty good at, from the get go. Um, waking up to the whole. Um, yeah. So, Waking up, waking up, and getting the whole voicemail saying, "Oh, you got this. Um, you got to listen to these sirens and whatnot," and going through the whole process of collecting arm weapons and material and looting stuff. It's fun. Um, level design, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. Yes, like it's the- very nice. Strolling through the Swedish wilderness and then uh, hearing some annoying robots come up behind you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Before, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We thought we were pretty well kitted out. Then we ran into the big boys. Oh, yeah. It was, and I'm like, dang. <laughs> How many times have we died ever since? Oh, we've died a lot. Yep. <laughs> like, some of the um, character designs were pretty pretty good to look at. Like, they were, like as you were saying, Professor, the um, robots, they were pretty cool to look at. Uh, you do get you do get, have to deal with the fact that um, the day goes very quickly. Yeah. The day-night cycle is pretty quick. Yeah. The like graphics it. are pretty good, but there's a bit of a um, a sort of depth of field effect that I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. I haven't found a way to turn it off. You can uh, switch to photo mode and increase it, but you don't seem to be able to reduce it. Yeah. Um, I do... The biggest flaw I've encountered in that game is um, some of the design, some of the bugs. Like, for example, oh, yes. when I open open the damn car door and I get stuck. <laughs> yes, if we come up to a hatchback, I often have to uh, free the DJ by closing the door after he's gotten himself wedged in it. 
there seems to be a bug. He's the only one that ever happens to, and I host the game, so I expect <laughs> it could be a, a netcode issue. Yeah. I say some of the spawning locations for uh, loot doesn't make a lot of sense. The hitboxes are pretty precise, but there are places where it will spawn and you won't be able to reach it because there's a hitbox for a light switch or something along those lines. Yeah, and the other um, annoying part about the game, sometimes it's... Um... I think, Professor, you've enca- you haven't encountered it, but I've encountered it, and that was when the Professor throws a fireworks, it would go it, it would go off and that's it. But when I, when but it's still going at my end. Yeah, there was a bit of desync with the fireworks. Yeah, but um, the sa- sound design is pretty good to listen to. Like, you can hear the background, background music is pretty, pretty good to listen to. Yeah, nice synth music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we haven't... Uh, but we, and also the uh, leveling up and the tech trees, they're, um, they're also interesting to look at. Like you would get, as soon as you get um, to new levels, you get new up character upgrades. I think, Professor, you've got the Identify Creature des- um, feature on yeah, your character. Yeah, I took the Identify Creature perk, which yep. lets me look at an enemy through my binoculars and I can identify how much health it's on, um, tell what kind of enemy it is and switch into a sort of thermal vision type mode that only shows um really only shows the monsters everything else is grayed out yeah mine is the um quickly um moving from iron sight to normal fire so yeah um the bikes are a bit buggy too yeah they if you hit something they like to do a bit of a backflip which is kind of realistic but um the even the light touch can uh, it feels like a crash (laughs) Yeah, the crash is... Um, like, it is realistic, though, that if you run into a tree, you will fly off your bike. Yep. But apart from the bugs, I reckon it's a pretty good game, and the story has a nice amount of dread in it. So yeah. the plot is basically you went away on a camping trip on an island, and you sail back to your your town with your friend at the um, end of the trip and find out everyone's gone missing. So... We're still following the evacuation path and finding out where everyone went after the uh, siren went off. Yeah, and you get to listen. And um, the fun part about it is, um, we, we we were playing this in Swedish, and we get the subtitles, which is fun. Yes, the um, I've never actually done that before. I normally play games set in foreign places in English, and I've heard a lot about how good Ru- um, Metro is in Russian. But this is the first time I've played a game in Swedish with Swedish voices, which is the default setting. And I think it um, definitely does something different to the experience, although I feel like I'm missing out on any voice acting. Yeah. But all in all, I, I, it's a pretty good game. It has potential. I'd like to see more of these, more, more, I'd like to see more of this game. Yeah, as there still seem to be uh, in development. Um, the bikes are a fairly recent addition, so I can see coming back to that in six months, maybe. Um, like I'll probably still play it before then, yeah. but I can definitely see coming back to it every six months or so and see how it progresses. I'll give this game four and a half out of five. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd do a four out of five. Yep. What have you been playing, Devi boy? Oh, me? Hmm. Well, I've been playing a bit more Zelda, and... <laughs> Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more Zelda. So last week I talked about Wind Waker, and I know main criticisms was having issues with the controls. Yeah, I fixed that. <laughs> it was the third party controller. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, uh, surprise. It would be great if we could get third party controllers that had any semblance of quality to them. <laughs> it's literally so cheap, if you just bend it, it cracks it half. Like, oh wow. It's a bad one, but it it uh it made do for the time when I couldn't get my original controller working because I had an issue. So I fixed it up, and now oh, this is how the game is meant to be played. So that's really good now. So actually, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, gotten through to a well, I think it was like halfway, quarter way through the game now, pretty much. So uh, it's a fun thing to finally get done. And oh, the uh, congrats to the devs. Even when everyone said this, but the the, uh, the Wind Waker itself, it's such a good like. They had the Ocarina, Ocarina of Time, of course, but the Wind Waker here, it just works so much better, I feel, because the way it flows, uh, it it adds, compared to Ocarina of Time, which had to press buttons, in, the, in Wind Waker, having you just to move the, the actual joystick, it's far more interactive and immersive, I feel. Um, but no, definitely, enjoying it a lot. 
So besides the, so we had the control. So you had the controller issue in the last episode. So what are the other biggest flaws you've encountered, like the AIs or? Not much since that. No, I would. I don't. Really, I haven't really had much issues. No, I mean, it's it's it, well, Zelda game. Floor wise, they're usually pretty pretty simple. Uh, don't don't really that many. Um, no, but I don't. Hmm. I mean, it's okay. It's one that a lot of people have said before, but Wind Waker's open world is a bit big. It does take you like, you know, 13 minutes across the map to finally get to that one other island they're wanting you to. You know, along the way, it's just water, water, water. <laughs> I mean, it's relaxing, but when you want to get into the next dungeon, it is a bit tedious at times. Mm-hmm. So that'll probably be the only flaw, which has already been pointed out by tons of people. Oh, oh by the way, uh, Professor, the one big flaw we encountered on Gen Zero, water. <laughs> yes, you can't swim. <laughs> which um, you jump in the water and you respawn at the water's edge. Unless you're me, in which case, the first time you decide to test that, you jump in the water and respawn all the way across the bay. <laughs> Oh, man. And uh, so the lampposts. Oh, yeah. You can find campsites <laughs> with um, camp lanterns hanging from the trees, except for a uh, minor issue that half the camp lanterns don't have a tree attached to them. <laughs> so they're hanging by themselves. Me and Professor, yeah. so every time I see one, I go, hey, Professor, screenshot this. <laughs> we get like a collection going. Yeah, we found a, uh, two of them so far. So what yes. other games have we been playing, Debbie Boy? Uh, VR chat. <laughs> <laughs> the meme! Oh, VR. I mean, it's not... It's pretty good when you're stuck in isolation, I must admit. So, uh, did you get a yeah. VR headset? Yes. Um, oh, very nice. Not a VR headset now. Whoa. Uh, Oculus... The Oculus... Uh, what's the name? Quest. The Quest. The Oculus Quest. Okay. Pretty really good, honestly. Uh, but... A VR chat, and they've just, they've been, so you know how all the uh, comic festivals and stuff are shut down? Yep. Because of, obviously, the virus. Well, VR uh, VR chat is actually hosting their own comic book festival right now inside the game. And they've got, like, tons of manga arts and stuff, like, from Japan stuff signed up, and you can actually see them walking around, you can talk to them about their work and stuff inside nice. the actual game itself. It's bloody brilliant. Because, um, yeah, basically... Well, can't go to a comic book festival. I guess you might as well join VR chat now. Um, <laughs> so you just see lots of anime people in anime costumes running around. <laughs> what character model looking at, are you? Looking at loot anime books. Mm, okay. Ah, oh, this is the place. <laughs> Which no, character actually... model are you then? Huh? Which character model are you? I'm an anime chick, of course. You know? <laughs> bloody knew it. Do you have to I ask? You tell us this last thing, but bloody knew it. <laughs> It's the curiosity. It's the curiosity, isn't Sometimes it? Sometimes something you shouldn't ask. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, it's it's yeah. We were talking about this the other day. Um, with um Japanese stu- um school students doing graduation through Minecraft, and that was brilliant as well. Yeah. Yeah. So how how so? Why would you rate the games? Well, Zelda I'll put to a ten now. It was nine last week, I believe. Ten now, definitely. <laughs> ten out of five. Um, ten out of five, everybody. The one. <laughs> the um, one. For uh, I don't really think you can rate VR chat, honestly. You know, it, it's not really a game when you. It's a social network, really. You know what I mean? It's like rating Facebook. Yeah. Well, we rate Facebook zero because of the uh, privacy issues. <laughs> well, it's above. It's above that. Then uh, okay. If it was a game, I'd rate it five. But because of what, because of its social network, like the whole interacting people stuff, yeah, I'll give it a eight. No, seven. No, seven. I think a seven sounds good. <laughs> seven out of five. So I'll, I'll put it I'll, as a game. I'll put it five out. Of, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> five. Sure enough. Oh, it's out of five. It's sorry. Yeah. So Zelda be five out of five. Yep. And um, uh, definitely yeah. VR chat three. So, oh, okay. All right. Three. I, three. I, I, that seems reasonable. I feel fair enough. All right, awesome. All right, so on to the shout-outs this week. On the 5th of April, Shirley Douglas, actress and mother of Kiefer Sutherland, died at 86. She was in Stanley Kubrick's Lolita and Cronenberg's Dead Ringers and was named an officer of the Order of Canada for her contributions to the performing arts. Sutherland said, My mother was an extraordinary woman who led an extraordinary life. Sadly, she had been battling for her health for quite some time, and we as a family knew this day was coming. To any families who have lost loved ones unexpectedly to the coronavirus, my heart breaks for you. Please stay safe. She died at 86 in Toronto. Although although Kiefer also noted that her passing was not related to COVID-19. So I suppose his uh, message was just um, expressing sympathy for that. 
Yeah. And um, DJ found an article about anime that ended 10 years ago today. Well, this week. They are Curious Shitsu G2, Durarara, A Certain Scientific Railgun, Nodami Cantabile Finale, Heart Catch Precure, Full Metal Alchemist, K On, Inuyasha, The Final Act, Animal Te- Detective Kiraminuzu, and Hida- Hidamari Sketch, Times Three Stars. Yep. Is that part of the title? <laughs> I know, I know, Professor. You, you got time. We'll, we'll, we'll introduce you to the world of animes eventually. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you reckon, Debbie Boy? How long do you reckon before the Professor cracks? I am not a weeb and I never will be. <laughs> Just play some VR chat. It'll bring you a ride. Uh, on, on the 6th of April, 2020, the Jaws actress Lee Fierro died at 91 coronavirus compli- complications. She's uh, famous for her scene from Jaws, where she slaps the chief Martin Pro- Brody and says, I just found out that a girl got killed here last week and you knew you knew there was a shark out there. You knew it was dangerous, but you let people go swimming anyway. <laughs> Should we? Um, I feel like people who knew there was going to be coronavirus would just go slap them as well. <laughs> <laughs> I like she that. Also, was all- oh. oh, sorry. Also, sorry, you first, you first. No, you first. After you. Uh, After you, sir. No, after you. Uh. (laughs) Oh, you're all so polite. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) He was also in Jaws the Revenge opposite Michael Caine. uh, My favorite anecdote about Jaws the Revenge is that Michael Caine's never seen it, but he has seen the house that it bought and it's a very nice house. I like how Ferio's character was just basically like, um, I'm, I'm not going to do the profanity in this um, dialogue. <laughs> and, Spielberg, and Spielberg says, we want dialogue uh, that's according to the every woman. <laughs> okay, so she didn't believe her character would swear and yeah. acted it that way. Yep. <laughs> so she died from COVID-19 at the age. And on to the remembrances. On the 6th of April, 1520, Raphael, not the Ninja Turtle, the painter. <laughs> He's famous for the frescoed Raphael rooms in the Vatican Palace, the, um, the painting The School of Athens in the Vatican Stanza della Signatura. Um, he died from fever at 37 in Rome. He forgot his full name, by the way. I did. Raffaello Sanzio di Urbino. Da Urbino, sorry. <laughs> and he forms the trinity of great painters of that period with Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. So who's the fourth Ninja Turtle? Uh, Donatello, Ninja Turtles. Te- <laughs> <laughs> it's got to go through the theme song to find it. <laughs> oh, that's a trip uh, memory lane. <laughs> Donatello, um. Raphael, Donatello, Leonardo. <laughs> Mikey! So on the 6th of April 1944, Rose O'Neill died of, of heart failure at the age of 69. She's most famous for the Cupid doll design, which was the most widely known cartoon character until Mickey Mouse, and is also part of the branding of a delicious brand of Japanese mayonnaise. According to O'Neill, she became obsessed with the idea of cherubic characters to the point she had dreams about them. She wrote several novels and books of poetry and was active in the women's suffrage movement. She was for a time the highest paid female illustrator in the world. And on the 6th of April 2003, we have Anita Ball, the American computer scientist who founded the Institute for Women and Technology and the Grace Hopper Celebration of Women in Computing. So two important goals behind her founding of the Institute were to increase the representation of women in technical fields and enable the creation of more technology by women. Her goal was to have 50% representation for women in computing by 2020, and she strove for technical fields to be places where women could be equally represented at all levels of the pipeline. Now, they're not quite at uh, equal representation there yet, for programming at least. Yeah, but they've done a lot of achievements like that um, woman who did the photography of the black hole. Yeah. Which is which is still amazing to this day. Yeah, I wasn't thinking of that because that's more physics than um, computing. Yeah. But I suppose she's talking about um, all technical women. Yeah. So I've got to wonder, was um, the Borg in Star Trek named after her? I <laughs> think probably not. <laughs> was, she was born in 1949. Uh and let's see, just skimming her Wikipedia page, it looks like she wasn't really big in 
um, in the field until after she got her PhD, which is well after the first appearance of the Borg, I think. So her first, um, her first big sort of public action was founding the Sisters, which was an email network for women in technology, spelled S-Y-S-T-E-R-S. Yeah, so um, I feel like probably not named after her. But we can retroactively do that because that's cool. <laughs> Definitely is. Mm-hmm. On the 6th of April, 1958, Graham Bates was born. He's the author and artist of children's picture books in Australia. He's best known for his second book, Animalia, published in 1986. And his third book, The Eleventh Hour, which was released in 1989. So those three books, are, um, or at least The Eleventh Hour, is a puzzle book. There's a whole mystery and it's basically a detective story but you you play the detective so as it tells a story you're picking up clues from the illustrations and the the story and trying to figure out who did it is that the one that had like something buried somewhere um i think it wasn't that one but there was there was one that involved the buried rabbit i think yeah it was like a golden rabbit i think yeah, so it's um, the book Masquerade by Kit Williams. Yeah, that's it. And then in 1984, uh, Ashens has a really great lecture about this. He did a lecture at a retro gaming convention. In 1984, they released a video game called Hairraiser, which um, had its own prize and was based on uh, based on the book, but was unwinnable, if I remember correctly. Pretty much because he didn't want to get rid of the prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, yeah, I think Ashen showed it was possibly uh, unwinnable, and he described it as the worst video game ever. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, unlike uh, Graham Bass, who I don't believe had a prize for his game, his book. Do you guys ever remember the Alimalia TV series? No, I've never seen it. Oh, that was a good times. Those were good. That was a good show to watch as well. Yeah, I remember um, another one of these. Um, some authors from Tasmania had a sword that they were going to give away as a prize for solving a puzzle in a book called Tasmanian Quest, which um, I don't think anyone ever figured that out. And after 20 years, they decided to just give it away, like give away the answer. So on the 6th of April, 1975, uh, did I say that was Graham's birthday? I believe you did. Okay, good. So on the 6th of April, 1975, was um, Zach Braff was born. He is the American actor, director, screenwriter, and producer, best known for playing JD in Scrubs. He's also been in The Broken Hearts Club, in Dubious Battle, and has done voiceover for Chicken Little, Oz the Great and Powerful, and Bojack Horseman. His directorial debut was Golden State, which he wrote, starred in, and compiled the soundtrack album for. Makes me want to watch Scrubs all over again. Likewise, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the 7th of April, 1954, Jackie Chan was born. Chan Kong Sang, known professionally as Jackie Chan, is a Hong Kongese martial artist, actor, film director, producer, stuntman, and singer. He's known for his fight choreography, and he does all his own stunts. He's trained in Wushu or Kung Fu and Hapkido, and has been acting since the 1960s, appearing in over 150 films. I feel like doing um, Kung Fu for that long and acting and all of that would take a real toll on your body. I wonder I how mean, his joints feel. I mean, this is the guy who literally jumps, who jumped down what was like a two, a two, three-story building onto glass for a Wilson oh, action yeah. scene. Oh, yeah, I think I saw like, that he's one, too. so many check crazy stunts. I'm surprised he isn't in worse shape. There was I a mean... St- <laughs> oh, there was a sto- there was a story about that um stunt that he did a stunt for a movie called Police Story, where he was like do- doing um he's sliding down light uh sliding down a pole and smashing light bulbs and slamming onto the floor. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> like he had I-, I I gotta give props to Jackie Chan. He has bo- he has balls of steel for doing that stunt. All for the art. Yeah, and well, he was he had like um. He had like second degree burns and bruises. And, oh, it was so bad. Yeah. And it was funny as well. Like he was saying before the stunt, some guy gave him pocket Buddha. <laughs> He's like, just for good luck. He's like, what the heck? <laughs> you kind of need this. Take it. <laughs> if I was doing a stunt like that, I'd want every uh, deity on my side. <laughs> Yeah, he said um, he burned his hands, dislocated his pelvis, and injured his back getting that shot. Ow, dislocated his pelvis. That would be horrible. And in that video, as I recall, like, before that stunt, it was just total silent. 
except for the film. Uh, like there were like five or six um, TV cam- um, film cameras recording the whole whole thing. I'm like, man, you wouldn't want to miss it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll miss this. All right, how'd I do? What do you mean the cameras weren't rolling? <laughs> it's like imagine like imagine doing the YouTube videos. It's like how'd I do? What, what do you mean the videos didn't have? Ba- what do you mean the camera didn't have battery? No. Anyway, the next birthday is on the seventh of April, nineteen sixty-four, and is Russell Crowe. He's um he came to international attention for his role as Roman general Maximus Decimus Meridus in Gladiator. For that role, he won an Academy Award, Broadcast Film Critics Association Award, an Empire Award, and a London Film Critics Circle Award for Best Actor, along with 10 other nominations in the same category. His other films include L.A. Confidential, Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World, Cinderella Man, Pretend to Humor, American Gangster, State of Play, Robin Hood, Les Miserables, uh, I can't roll the R's correctly, Man of Steel, <laughs> Noah, and The Nice Guys. In 2015, he had his directorial debut of The Water Diviner, which he also starred in, which is a really good movie. That's the one about um, he goes looking for his sons who died at Gallipoli. And for the events of interest, on the 6th of April 6th in Athens, the first modern Olympic Games was opened. One and a half thousand years after the original games were banned by the Roman Emperor Theodosius I. On the 6th of April 1909, Robert Peary and Matthew Henson became the first people to reach the North Pole, except they didn't quite. So <laughs> they were a bit off. They, um, some people have gone through and redone the calculations and discovered that they weren't quite there. Uh, I believe the number was about 30 miles short. Oh, <laughs> that place. Yep, and it wasn't until 1952 when U.S. Lieutenant Colonel Joseph O. Fletcher flew to the North Pole and became the first person to undisputedly stand on the North Pole. And on the 6th of April 1970, the USA declared war on Germany. So two days after the U.S. Senate voted 82 to 6 to declare war, the House of Representatives voted 372, sorry, 373 to 50, and they formally entered World War One. Fun times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for America, it was a good thing, because that's basically what started the superpower, the reign. Yeah. Uh-huh. The World Wars did such a good job of wiping out the economies of Europe that um, <laughs> it basically left a complete vacuum for America, mm. especially well, considering they real? were able to get make a lot of money from selling stuff to the Europeans. <laughs> it's like... Oh, what do you mean? You, oh, you can't, you can't make any, you can't make that steel anymore. Well, you know, we've got some factories making some. Would you like some? <laughs> do you want some steel? Like some coal? Hey, England, I hear you're out of guns. Wouldn't it be great if someone sold some to you? <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes it sound like America was like the arms dealer that I everybody mean, wanted. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> Let's count the number of countries that America has sold weapons to. <laughs> You'll be here until sunrise or something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but there's also the Zimmerman telegram where Germany tried to contact Mexico to propose an alliance where if the US entered World War One, Mexico would then attack and take over Texas, Arizona and New Mexico, which had been held by America since the Mexican-American War. But the uh, British government managed to decrypt the message and warn the Americans. And the Americans were like, all right, that's not okay. (laughs) Suspicious, this. Yeah, very suspicious. And speaking of wars, on the 6th of April 1974, the... Battle of Waterloo became the subject of a Eurovision winning song by <laughs> ABBA. Man, it's ABBA. It's a good song. Yeah. The world was a better place after that. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta love the lyrics to that song, though. <laughs> it's just. Would you like to give us a demonstration? Please. No. Please. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Come on. No. Die. No. <laughs> no. 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 All right, somebody get the rope. (laughs) It ain't happening. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, since the DJ is not willing to give us a demonstration, that's all we have for this week. So remember to stay safe, stay inside, but go out and get some sun so you don't get vitamin D deficiency, and stay hydrated. (laughs) Uh, Do you have anything to add, DJ? 
Uh, find us on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. All the stuff will be on, all of our details will be on show notes. And you can also find us on that's not canon.com. And um, also check us out on that's not COVID. That's not COVID. Yes, That's Not COVID is a special project by the That's Not Canon family to create a podcast that doesn't focus on the coronavirus. So we talk about things you can do that, and the rule is no, you can't mention coronavirus. So we had topics about designing uh, games, uh, Zoom live streams, books. I think someone's doing an anime review. Yeah. Someone. DJ. Not me, but I, I did let's see someone doing a, a a review about Gundam. So yeah, it's a Gundam review. I thought you were going to do one as well. I am thinking about it, but yeah, I will see. We'll see how we go. Okay. Yeah. So um, yes, check that out. It's um, I think it's pretty good, even though I'm a bit biased considering I'm in it. <laughs> but uh, we will see you next week. See you guys. See ya. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.